Now, as Nathan said, my name's Matt, and um, I'm basically uh, the thing that's standing between you and a nice lunch. Um, so treat me nicely. <laughs> and, uh, and, a, and a bit of a warning as well for the people that come to this church fairly regularly. Last month, uh, when I preached, I only, I only preached for, for 20 minutes. This month, today, you probably get about 20 minutes again out of me. So when I preach next month, I'm not going to tell you the date. Expect a whopper. Expect a whopper, okay? <laughs> now, not only uh, has it been a Sunday of baptisms, but we are celebrating uh, the nations. We're having an international lunch. You know, we've got various cultures and nations represented within our church, and we're going to be partaking some of their dishes and celebrating that diversity that we have within our world of different nation, nations and different cultures. So, you know, personally, you know, I work for a, for a US company and I have, a, I have that kind of privilege of working with many different cultures, many people from different, uh, different countries. And, you know, it puts me to shame. You know, most of the people that I work with can speak at least two languages. Some can speak three, four, some even five. And I'm there as the ignorant Englishman who can only really get by with a few, with a few words here or there. And, and, and it's, it's landed me in trouble uh, a couple of times. When I've had to travel uh, with work, uh, there was one occasion where I was in Cannes in, in the south of France and I'd forgot deodorant, I'd forgot body spray. And uh, I hadn't packed it, so I was frantically looking for, for a chemist, for a pharmacy, and I found one. And I, and I went to the woman and I said, you know, do you have deodorant? And she just looked at me blankly. Just looked at me blankly, and I, you know, I did, I did the typical English, English thing. Deodorant. Do you have deodorant? You know, say it slowly, more loudly, see if that works. Nothing. You know, and I started to think, you know, can she speak English? Is she, is she just wanting to see how far I would go with this? And I, I went to the next step, you know, I went to the next step. I started miming, you know, deodorant, whiff, oh, I need deodorant, whiffing away. And then at that point, I get a smile and she points me in the right direction of where the body spray was. You know, even worse, you know, one time I was in, I was in Rome and um, we, we were out, we had a, just went out for a walk and I thought that uh, I could see a toilet. I needed a toilet, I thought I could see a public toilet, but it was just round the corner. I could, I could kind of see half of it, but it was bearing to the right and I could see a queue coming uh, that I thought out from this toilet. So I thought, okay, I'll queue for the toilet. Got to the back of the queue and I tapped the guy on the shoulder in front of me just to confirm, you know, is this the queue for the toilet? And I'm positive, I'm sure he said yes. A few minutes later, as we get closer and closer, and I'm just bearing the corner, I can see the toilet now fully. I'm not in a queue for the toilet. I'm in a queue to get a selfie with what I could only assume to be a well-known drag artist in Italy. <laughs> So I, I politely made my excuses and, and, and made my way to the toilet. <laughs> it's, it's, landed me, it's landed me in a few, as I say, interesting situations. And, you know, I can sometimes say, oh, wouldn't it be great, you know, if we were just, you know, everyone just, you know, the whole world, you know, I know we're getting nearly there, but the whole world spoke English, we didn't have any of these language problems or, or cultural barriers. But when we look into the first few books and chapters of the Bible, we kind of see that, that this is actually God's intent. God's intent for there to be uh, a scattering of people, for there to be cultures and languages developed. 
You know, when, when Noah of, of Noah and Ark fame uh, came off the boat, him and his family were told by God to go out across the world, to scatter and to go and live across the globe. But we read a few chapters later of kind of how they took that and what actually happened, just uh, up on the screen now. It says the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll be scattered over the face of the earth. At that time, early on in the history of mankind, there was a a reluctance to be scattered, a reluctance to, to follow God's command to fill the earth, to fill the whole earth. And with this story of the Tower of Babel, with this account, God came down and forcibly and took action to scatter people across the globe, across the world, with different languages and, of course, then different cultures coming out. So it begs the question, you know, why, why was that God's intent? Why did God do that? God doesn't do anything without a reason, on a whim, without a, without a good, clear motive. You know, God had a clear reason and intent for there to be this development of cultures and language that we see around us. Firstly, he foresaw the danger of one nation, a one-nation state across the world. You know, when we look into, into films that look at a kind of a very bleak future, a dystopian future, we normally see this kind of monolithic empire, this, this dangerous one-nation state that is used to oppress and restrict and, 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 and reduce kind of people's liberty and freedom and, and expression and opinion. And, you know, if we think about this, two extremes probably would have happened. If there was one nation across the world, if if people had stayed together and just created one language, one nation, two extremes would have probably happened. Firstly, Christianity would have been the, the world religion, which sounds okay, but what would have happened, because it would have been driven by the hearts of men that can be led uh, by, by evil and by sin, Christianity would have been spreading completely the wrong way in akin to what we saw maybe in the Crusades, at the pain of death, at torture, to convert, to bring Christianity across the world in completely an an unintended way of how God foresaw it and how God desires it. Or the other extreme, where Christianity would have been oppressed, there would have been no religion, no world state religion, or a different religion, and there would have been just mass oppression of Christianity of faith and of an expression of who Jesus really is. So God foresaw, you know, I believe, that danger of a one nation state across the world. But most importantly, and more importantly, through this diversity of culture and language and people groups and approaches to life, we can see and witness the true fullness of the gospel and who Jesus Christ really is. Through diversity, we see 
and experience that fullness, that richness, that deepness through diversity. You know, if we think of a, of a diamond, and the diamond being the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that good news that God wants to do life with you. He wants you to have life in all of its abundance. He wants it so much, even at any cost, to the point of death to of his son. He doesn't want to have eternity without you. And he says with open arms, come to me. Come to me, my child, my son, my dear daughter. Because I have the plans for you to prosper you. For you to have a life of abundance. For you to live in freedom and grace and to live in my mercy. And to achieve all that I have for you. All of that captured in this diamond. And if there was just one culture, one nation, it would be like one light shining through this diamond. And it would be beautiful, there would be beauty in there and how it reflects, refracts and shines through. But with the multiple cultures that we have and languages and people groups, it's like a whole range of lights, all different colours, all different hues, shining through this diamond, reflecting out in such diverse colouring and beautiful uh, lines that there is just such a fullness there because of the diversity that we have that God intended. We're able to see that the gospel isn't just relevant to one people. It's not an English gospel. It's not a white gospel. It's not a middle class gospel. We can see the power of that good news, the power of God's love, resonate across the world. Every culture where the gospel is preached into, it's latched onto, it is attractive, it speaks to people. That diversity shows and demonstrates the power of the gospel. And in each culture, we get its richness. Because although the message is, has to be and should never be changed of God's love, Christ's sacrifice, the impartation of the Spirit. That message does not change. But the way that it resonates, the way that it's kind of latched onto and taken, can be quite different. How the gospel is preached to the teenager in the favelas of Brazil, or the 60-year-old in the, in the footholds and, and plains of Mongolia, Certain parables, certain stories, certain aspects of that message of, of love and grace and mercy and forgiveness and compassion and freedom are taken and held in slightly different ways by these different cultures. And we see and we can experience that richness. And it's never more so present in worship and in prayer. I love the fact that we've got a difference in how we approach our prayer lives, in how we approach worship and praise and sing. It would be boring if we, if we all had that similar approach, that similar way. I'm always reminded of a time when I 
Uh, I studied theology for a time, and we were put in prayer groups. And um, I was given a prayer group. There, were, there would be normally six, five or six in a group, and you would meet once a week. And I went to my first meeting, and I had my sheet of the room that I had to go in. And I walk into the room, and it's uh, five middle-aged black ladies. I take a step out. No, I'm honest. I take a step out, check the room. Yeah, I'm in the, I'm in the right place. Okay, I, I thought we would have a good mix. I'm in the right place. So, so I, went, I went with it. And uh, it was that time that I spent with them was so eye-opening of their approach of prayer, their approach to their relationship with God, their approach to worship and fellowship. You know, there was, a, there was one task that we were given to kind of just, just rest in the Lord, you know, we were told. Spend some time in the following week just to rest in the Lord you know, don't, don't necessarily pray or speak or worship. Just, just be silent to take in what, uh, what, you're, what, what he wants to say to you. So we did that, and then we came back the week after. And I shared first, and I said, yeah, I found, you know, 30, 40 minutes in uh, what, what, one afternoon. And, uh, you know, I put some music on, and, and I kind of, I think I, I sat in a chair. And, uh, yeah, it was really good, really good sort of 40 minutes or so, just sort of, you know, not necessarily coming to God with a prayer, um, but just hearing what he had wanted to speak to me about. And I went to the next, next lady, and uh, she said, well, yeah, uh, you know, what, I think what, one afternoon, I blocked out the whole afternoon. And I was on the floor for four hours, you know, just receiving. I was speaking in tongues for, for, for two hours. And I was, you know, just, just really getting a lot from God. And I blocked out the whole afternoon. And that seems to be quite a, a common theme. You know, they all blocked out a whole afternoon to hear from God. And it's not a competition. It's not a competition whatsoever. But it was so eye-opening. You know, when they were tasked with spend some time with God, they spent some time with God. They took it seriously. Not just, I didn't, they didn't just block out an hour. They blocked out a whole afternoon. And that, there's, there's things that we can, as I said, it's not a competition, but there's things that we can learn from that, things that we can take from that because of that richness of diversity and the cultures that we have of seeing how people approach prayer and worship, and fellowship, and walking with God. And lastly, Jesus claims them all. He claims them all. He says in the Great, in, in, in the great Commission at the end of, of the Gospel of, of Matthew, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. God created all the nations under the sun, and Jesus claims every single one of them. That's good news. That is good news. This, this gospel cannot be claimed by anybody but Jesus, it can't be claimed by a particular people group. This, this Christianity, this religion, this good news, this gospel, it can't be claimed by the English. It can't be claimed by the Italians. It can't be claimed by the middle class. It can't be claimed by the Greeks or the Turks. It can't be claimed by anyone exclusively. It's Jesus claims every nation under the sun and claims you and calls you by name to have a relationship with him. 
So what that means is you, you, you can't discount yourself. You can't discount yourself. This, this, this journey of Christianity, following Jesus, that's what so-and-so do. A certain, you know, rich or poor, any sort of class, any walk of life, where you've come from, where you are, where you're going, you cannot discount yourself because Jesus claims every nation, every people group, every person by name. Jesus has claimed you. Jesus has claimed you. That gospel, that good news that we read in the Bible is for you. Regardless of your history, regardless of your family, regardless of where you are now, regardless of where you've come from, that good news is for you. And Jesus has claimed you by name for you to say yes and accept him as your Lord and Saviour. Now we end, we started, it, we started with Genesis and we're going to, when we look at the last book of the Bible in Revelation, even though God's intent for this earth was to be these multiple of nations, this diversity of cultures, we read in Revelation, which was given to the Apostle John, who was one of the disciples of Jesus, about the, the end days and what was to come at the end. And we read of this intent from God, that there he saw a new heaven, a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look! God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. For those that would call, us, call yourself a Christians and followers of Jesus, these are some of the most hopeful, hopeful and joyful verses in the whole Bible. This is the future that is in store for us. This is the declaration and proclamation that the best is yet to come. That this is what God has in store for us, his children. But you may be here and understandably shake your head and say, out of the realms of reality. It's fantasy, myth, it's, it's wishful thinking, this sort of stuff. Dismiss it as a childish notion. If that's you, I just want to challenge you. And just ask that you test this, that you explore this. Don't dismiss it completely out of hand because it just seems so fanciful, seems so nice, so wishful. Don't dismiss it completely out of hand. Challenge, explore, test it. Have some good conversations with some good people. Ask some good questions, some hard questions 
and open that dialogue. You know, as a church, we run regularly throughout the year what's called Christianity Explored courses that just give a forum, give a space to ask those very hard questions, that give a space for you to, to just test this, to challenge, to explore why I and why many of us believe the things that we believe. So I just make that challenge to you. If that's a season, a few weeks that you'd like to commit to, then come and speak to anyone that's come up the front today, the person that invited you to this morning. And we would love to have that conversation with you, to go on that journey with you. Because for many of us, these speak of our future. We've said yes to a Christ, to a God who loves us immeasurably and who can't wait and and cannot bear of not spending eternity with us. So I implore you, come, don't dismiss it out of hand because of what you think church is, what you think Christianity is, what you, who you think Jesus is. Before now, and not to get too morbid, before now and your last day, make sure you properly explore and test this good news, this Christianity, this God, this Jesus, properly explore and test it. And we'll be absolutely delighted to go on that journey with you. Thank you.